0: wanted to talk about, I think I mentioned it before, I want to talk about habits of the mind, and thank you to Donna for this, it's all your fault, I, um, I think it was a few days ago in morning meditation, I read a piece from um, uh, um, Larry Ward, um, I was reading Larry Ward's book, and this one piece jumped out at me. About uh, our mind, and uh, let me just read it again. Uh, Most of us know that changing habits is challenging. How much of what we do is habitual? Studies by neurobiologists and psychologists researching habit formation indicate that 40 to 95% of human behavior, how we think, how we respond with emotions, what we say and how we act falls into the habit category. So that's a lot, 40 to 95% of how we move through the world is habitual. And we react without, we just react without thinking about it. We, either our actions, our thoughts, our what we say, what we do, we're on autopilot, we're autopilot of the mind. And it's, it's actually a function of the mind. The mind creates shortcuts in its processing. It can't, um, to help us to process faster. It's, it's like when you recall a memory, you don't recall every single experience of that memory. You just have, have the big picture of it. Otherwise you'd be, we'd be living in real time. We'd be like, um yeah no you can't do that in real time it's faster for the mind um it's a shortcut and it's 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 um the neuroscience is saying that a lot of this is um amygdala based it's our reptilian brain it's just that autopilot you know danger um pleasure you know um uh reaction, the pattern of response towards dangers, or patterns of response towards reward, we chase what is pleasant, we run away from what's dangerous, it's deep, it's old, it's ingrained, that tendency tor- towards moving in these directions, and um, we also have a tendency to focus more on the unpleasant than the pleasant, because there's more danger associated with the unpleasant, It could we could be prey. Um, I was watching, I was in the dentist the other day, and they have a TV in the dentist office. Luckily, this one was usually home and garden. But this time it was um, uh, BBC. I, the sound was off, but it was like, um, if I think it was called Challenges of the Wild or Challenges of Life. And it showed cheetahs hunting an ostrich and killing it and and then showing um, a bunch of, I, I think there were whales um, attacking a, a um seal, it was, I kept, I just kept my eyes closed, but it was that watching the prey with that response, it was like, you know, and so that's, that's that old, old, old habitual response, so um, it's, it's, it's deep, deep, deep in there, those tendencies, these patterns that we have, or these tendencies towards these patterns we have, and it's not all bad. I mean, habits of the mind are, and our, our habits are not all bad. We need them to get through the world, the, the shortcuts. I mean, driving, we can drive. Very often we drive without thinking about it. Walking around, walking into the kitchen, eating. How often do we pay attention when we eat? Most of the time we don't. We're eating on autopilot, um, all kinds of stuff. When you learn to play a musical instrument, that becomes a habit. Athletes, they don't think about what they're doing. If they stopped to think about what they were doing, they wouldn't wouldn't perform to any great level. It's all automatic. It's muscle memory. And so the mind just takes over, and it's really beneficial because it helps us as we move through the world. If we had to think everything through, I don't know if I'd get out of bed in the morning. You know, it'd be like I'd be laying in bed and it's like, how do I move my leg? How do I sit up? And we'd have to relearn everything. It's like people who have strokes or have some kind of brain injury. It takes a while to relearn how to do a lot of things. And sometimes that, that injury never heals uh, in the right way or with brain degeneration. You know, there's the, those parts of the brain that, that support that just kind of disintegrate and we can't function. Um, so habit is not bad. So it, it, it shouldn't be, um, you know, it's not like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And in Buddhist terms, Buddhist terms, when we talk about habits of the mind, we talk about the conditioning of the mind. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's our habits are formed because of our conditioning starting before we were born, even in the womb, you know, what, what our experiences are in the womb, and, and when we're born, and as we move through the world, you know, Jack Cornfield talks about these as uh, karma, the action, which is the action resulting from the conditioning, whatever it is, we're conditioned, and the action, and karma is action, it's how we move through the world, it's what we do, and, and it's based on our conditioning, that's the, the wheel of um, dependent origination, because of this, this happens. Because of this, this hasn't happens. Because of this condition, we, this, these sets of circumstances that we experience, we develop these patterns of responses, and so this is how we react in how we move through the world. When we're faced with this, often we generally do this. When we're faced with that, we do that. Um, Thich Nhat Han talks about them as the seeds of consciousness that are planted and I love that idea, I, I love that image. These, these um, seeds are planted and when the conditions are right they bloom and blossom. Not, it's not always a pretty plant, sometimes it's an ugly thing, but it shows up anyway when the conditions are right and it's because of these experiences we've had. Most of these habits are pretty, um, neutral, uh, they're harmless, you know, they're helpful, they're beneficial, they help us navigate the world, but sometimes are not, they're not so helpful, and they cause harm to us and to others, and those are the ones I'm talking about, those habits of mind that we're not aware of, that don't, that don't serve us. Um, one such idea is fixed views. We have these ideas of the way things should be, or how things are supposed to look, or how you're supposed to behave, or how I'm supposed to be. We have these sets of expectations um, for ourselves, for others, and there are these habitual ways we see the world. And drive a habitual response. If somebody is doing what they're supposed to do, it's pleasant. If somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do, it's unpleasant. 99% of the time or 95% of the time, we're not even paying attention. It's neutral. But um, something triggers something and all of a sudden we pay attention and it's like, you're not supposed to be doing that or yay for you or whatever it is. And so we get lost in these worlds of, of beliefs and um, rigid views, and that's that's what drives our habits, which are not necessarily helpful. When we think about, um, we have emotional habits that dr- stem from these things, mental habits, and they're again familial or cultural. And so, I just want to go over a few of those that maybe you'll recognize. I know I recognize a number of these because they're good friends of mine. Um, i think martine bachelor from her book let go which is a really excellent book and these are habits and patterns of responding the one the first couple are are um i don't think she mentions but i i added is anger and fear that that um when we're faced with something that's unpleasant we either you know there's anger we that fight um uh hate we get caught up in the aversion or we start, we run away. So there's the fear. So there's this anger. There's this fear reaction, which can be an automatic response to, based on our conditioning, based on what our beliefs are. Um, sometimes, well, you know, you. I'm sure you can think of examples in your own life. Uh, another uh, uh, emotional or another mental response is daydreaming. That's a good way to check out. That's a good way to get yourself out of what's um, oftentimes. Neutral, neutral, neutral experiences lead us to just kind of zone out and get lost in that dullness, which is one of the hindrances, that dullness, that torpor leads to daydreaming. I daydreamed, I think, half my teen years away because I just didn't want to be where I was. So I was like "Ah, fantasy land. Um, Another one is rehearsing and plotting. Um, I don't know if you ever do that, that habit of the mind, I rehearse, those. That I, th- I, that I think having conversations with people who are not in the room falls into the category of rehearsing, where I'm practicing what I'm going to say, or I'm planning everything out, That well there's, there's planning too, but rehearsing my lines over and over, once is fine, but hundreds of times in a row is probably a bit much, um, Fabrication and fantasy. You know, that's again you know, getting lost in the world that uh, you, it's, this world is not okay. So we have a fabric fabrication and fantasy. It might be good, it might be bad. It can, you know, we can bring in some catastrophizing around that fantasy of what it's going to be like depending on what happens November 3rd, you know. Boom. Um, Another one is judging. It's so it's such a habit of mine to judge whether we're aware of it or not. I, when I'm in places of, um, where there's a lot of people like airports or Las Vegas, I can get into a real judgy, judgy, judgy place. Or on the freeway when you're driving. It's easy to judge people people you know online at a supermarket is easy to judge it's easy to judge anywhere so to recognize that that's a habit of mine for what purpose for what purpose to make oftentimes it's to make me feel better about me which is a fixed view a self view that I think I need to ha- uh, do something about me um, how I feel about me this is this is you know not conscious it's just autopilot because we're got into that Um Comparing, same kind of thing. Comparing, better, worse. You know, whichever side we're on. Oh, we're better than them, but we're worse than them. Um, Planning. I mentioned that with rehearsing. You know, trying to make sure it all works out. We get lost in those places, and that happens a lot during meditation. I'm sure. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what do I got to do today? Especially morning. It's like, oh, I got all these things to do. All these things to do and it's like you know what it's that's that's a habit of mind measuring and counting that's another one I used to measure I used to count well if it gets to this number that means this and if it's this number it means that and it was all made up in my head I just made up these numbers it's totally arbitrary but it was it was kind of a a habit to make me feel better or make you look worse or whatever so those are the kind of the, the things the mind does. There's also ha- habitual storylines, which are really caused by deep conditioning stuff that we've experienced for years and, years and years and years and years and stories that we go to. And when you sit on the cushion, you can begin to recognize. Um, um, I, sometimes we have one of these. Sometimes we have a couple of these. Sometimes we have multiples of these. Feeling that, that you're on the outside looking in you know, everybody else belongs to the team, and you don't, you're, you're the outsider, the, the odd person out, that's a, that's a common one, Um, abandonment, you know, that you're, that you're being left, again, this is, this is a lot of this, is this sense of separation, you know, that they're doing it, and you're not, that there's this disconnect, which is this The sense of self, when we get caught in self-view, this fixed idea of self, it's really easy to get caught up in this sense of disconnection. So abandonment is one. Inadequacy, just not being good enough, not measuring up. Um, that's, that's That's a common one. Expectations that we have for ourselves or for others. You know, whatever they are, they may it, they may change with the particular experience, but there's a lot of times an expectation that you're better than you should be, or that you should be better than you are. You all, I'm sure all of us think we should be further along in our lives than we are. I don't know, maybe not, but that, that has happened. Um, that has come up for me at points in my life. It's like looking at my watch going, really? Is this, this Shouldn't I be further along than this? Shouldn't I have achieved X or be making X amount of money or blah blah blah? My life is supposed to look different from the way it is. That's, that's separation. That's disconnection. That's a habit though. Um, that we're unlovable. I was talking about this the other night and somebody came up with feeling unlovable. Um, not being seen or heard. Feeling invisible. You know, there's a lot of commonality to these ones. Um, paranoia, they're out to get you. Um, addiction is a habit of mind too. When we get caught up in needing to use something to take away the feelings we're experiencing, whether it's drugs or alcohol or shopping or gambling or work or sex or whatever it is, we, we utilize something to take away how we're feeling. So these are habits of the mind. And oftentimes, we think we can't help it. It's like, I can't help it. This is the way my mind works. This is how I'm wired. It's the way I'm built. It just is. You know, it is what it is. Oh, well. And that's not actually the right way to use it is what it is. But it's, I thought I was wired in certain ways. But after practicing for a number of years, I realized it's just conditioning. It's not necessarily true. It's just a habit that I've that I've developed over the years. I didn't sit down and write a, sit down and say, "Oh, I'm going to think this way." It just was a natural reaction and response to my environment and to my situation. Um, you know, it's not and so you have to be willing in this practice to say, "Maybe it's not how I'm wired." Maybe it is just a habit of mind, and especially if it causes discomfort or suffering. That's what we're talking about when we talk about and want to look at these habits of mind. Because we can have habits that don't cause suffering, but if they lead to discomfort, if they lead to harm either for you or for others, if they're not beneficial, if they don't serve, then it's something you might want to look at and investigate getting rid of or moving towards creating a new neural pathway, a new habit of mind. Um, you know, we, it's, it's, um, it's worth allowing into your consciousness this idea that maybe it could be different. It may not happen overnight, but if there's continual effort, maybe it can happen. But how does that happen? How do you do that? You all, I think you all could come up with the answer to mindfulness, paying attention, you know, watching the mind and learning its habits. You begin to recognize the storylines. I'm sure you all recognize where your minds go in practice. And then if you if you've been practicing for long enough, you start to recognize those storylines where I'm always in the future. I'm always trying to control, or I'm trying to fix the past or I have conversations with folks who aren't there that's my rehearsing that's my plotting Um, and so I go oh that I need I want to um, make sure that I it goes my way I want to make sure that they see me in a certain way that's what's underlying these rehearsing these conversations so I start to recognize those habits in myself in practice and then when I'm walking around in the world I can say oh wait look that's what I'm doing. So you begin to recognize the storylines in practice and then begin to see them as you're moving through the world and say wait maybe can I stop. Um, Sometimes it's a matter of being willing to sit with feelings and emotions that you don't really want to sit with or feel because those habits of mind Um, I think we develop to get us out of feeling them, especially when we're we're running away from something or trying to fix something or change something. You know, that aversive quality, that aversive quality is there that this isn't okay. This feels crappy. How do I fix it? Or how do I get the shiny object? How do I make the icky bits stop or get the shiny bits? That's, that's kind of why we have those tendencies. You know, like I said, it goes back to that reptilian brain. We'll get the rewards, push away the, the, the punishment, the pain. Sometimes, um, you know, who wants to sit? It's unpleasant. Who wants to sit with this sense of inadequacy or sense of abandonment or sense of feeling unlovable? Those things that I mentioned. I don't think any of us want to, but that's what this practice asks us to do, sit with the suffering, the, the difficult emotions that are right here, that we all have. Letting go of autopilot reactivity. That's kind of what the, the invitation was in the, in the meditation, was seeing the, the tendency to be reactive and letting go of the reactivity and just being with what's there that's part that's sati is another definition translation of sati mindfulness is being with remembering to come back where when you're drawn into these stories these habits come back yeah. sometimes these fixed ideas we have may be unpleasant when we dig deep You know, sometimes it's, it's, we find that we're not very nice people. We've developed habits that cause harm to others. I have, I have done that in my life. Most of the time it's because I was fearful and I wanted to take care of myself. And so I lashed out at others or caused harm, not great harm, but emotional harm. I was, I could be really, really cruel in certain ways to people I was close to when it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. And it was because I was trying to take care of me. I was running on fear, that habitual reactivity that caused harm. So there's there's those shadow sides of ourselves that we need to look at and be willing to sit with. Sometimes it's cultural stuff that's, you know, unpleasant when we dig deep. There's the, the cultural conditioning of racism and bigotry. Um, sometimes in... You know, the nuns who got um, from Loka Vihara, I've said this before, they talk about uh, um, I have Santa Chichas from Austria and I Ananda Bodhi from um, England, and they became U.S. citizens in December, and they said they then took on the cultural karma of being a U.S. citizen. I don't know if they'll, they haven't grown up here, so they haven't, you know, swum in these waters, but we have these waters of rugged individualism, and do it on, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is really lonely, and has, sets a lot of expectations of, you know, doing it doing it ourselves, and I, I have to achieve and accomplish, and that's painful, that's really painful, or when we really look at our internal habits of mind, and seeing what we will, be, automatic beliefs about certain folks about because of what they look like or because of how they speak or you know I grew up in New York City and I moved to California when I was 18 and this was in the 70s and New York was pretty scary in the 70s it was pretty almost bankrupt Their buildings were burning it was uh, New York was not a pleasant place and I was I was in Northern California for a year and a half and then I was going to go back I moved in September and then the next year I was going back for Christmas and I was terrified, I was like, oh my god, it's so scary, New York is a scary place, ah. And I realized I was listening to the, the stories that I was hearing, and I was falling into this belief system about a place that was my home. And I went, wait a minute, I know New York, it's my home, I know where to go, I know where not to go, I know how to take care of myself and but if we're not paying attention we can fall into these patterns of thinking we have to be willing to question we have to be willing to stop and go wait a minute is this especially if there's there's this there's, there's tension or discomfort you know we have to be willing to name these thought patterns that are not necessarily beneficial um what was i i was Uh, there was this one point I wanted to make that went away, but hopefully it'll come back. So um, we have to be willing to acknowledge. Oh, I remember it was talking about questioning. We have to be willing to question our ideas, our beliefs, especially, as I said, if it's uncomfortable, if it causes discomfort or it seems to be causing harm. So just because we've always believed it, just because we've always done it, just because we think we're wired that way, we have to be willing to say, maybe not. Maybe there's a different way. I don't have all the answers. I just have this really limited view that's fixed and rigid. And when I let go and go, I don't have the answers. What is this right now? What's actually happening? Then it opens up a whole new vista. So we, the next thing, so you have mindfulness, the willingness to be present and discerning and investigating, and then we have to set an intention to change the habit. We have to be willing to say, I want to act in a different way. You know, and, I, and this half day I, I taught today, was on the paramis, these 10 qualities, these 10 perfections that they talk about is necessary, and one of them is, res, uh um, determination, this tenacity, this willingness to say, okay, I have an intention, but to have the diligence underneath the intention to carry through, the resolve to carry through. And so we have to set an intention to change the habit. Mindfulness supports that. This This resolve supports that. Seeing clearly. You know, the necessary steps to take and being willing to be uncomfortable because we all want comfort all the time, which is how we end up in these places of, of discomfort because it, it doesn't always work out the way we want. So to let go, um, there's a, one of the um, and it, and it starts in our mind. And in the Dhammapada, which is a collection of some very famous uh, Buddhist sayings, it's a, uh, it's, uh, it says, mind follows mind. And one of the translations is, all that we are is the result of what we have thought. It's, all that we are is founded on our thoughts, it is made up of our thoughts. If someone speaks or acts with an evil thought, pain follows them as the wheel follows the foot of the ox that draws the carriage. If a person speaks or acts with a pure thought, happiness follows them like a shadow that never leaves. So if we if we think um, unwholesome thoughts, we're going to move in that direction. Um, this is why wise effort is so important. That supports this practice too, recognizing when those thoughts are present, we're beginning to recognize those stories that don't serve and put them down because our... Um, what is it, our intention, our thoughts will take us in the wrong direction, so we have to have an intention because if we have a wise intention, our intentions lead to actions which lead to our habits, which leads to our character, which leads to our destiny. I love that teaching. Intention takes us to action, which takes us to habit, which takes us to character, which takes us to destiny. And this is something interesting. I I can't remember who I saw said this. I didn't write it down. He's a very famous person. Um, He says that neuroscience tells us that setting an intention primes our nervous system to be on the lookout for whatever will support what we intend. So if we we are explicit about our intention, it will prime our nervous system to, to support that. So we have to be explicit in the in direction we want to move in. Changing habits is not easy. If it were easy, nobody would smoke. You know? Nobody would do a lot of things they don't want to do. But it's not easy. Our mind you know, you've sat, you've been practicing, you see the mind still does what it wants to do. So, unwise intentions are driven by greed and hatred and and harmfulness, and wise intentions are driven by non-harming good and renunciation, or letting go. You know, being willing to let go. Um, It takes effort, because some habits are our old friends. Addictions of the body and mind are hard to let go of, even when they don't serve. Because sometimes fear and anger and those other emotions overwhelm our mindfulness, and it's comfortable. Our anger is comfortable, you know. What, whatever our our reactions are, even if we know they're not good, they're familiar, and so we wear them as we do a warm jacket. And we have to be willing to say not necessarily a good idea, you know, it takes a long time, we may even feel them, they, they might be emotionally present, we might have a sense of them, like this fear that when you're going to do something different, like speak out when you're usually quiet, and all that anxiety, all those emotions well up in your body, and you're tight, and you're tense, and you're like, oh, the jaw is locked. You recognize it, you feel it, you go, oh, this is that habitual response. Of course it's here. Of course it's showing up. Why wouldn't it? It's been, it's been showing up for the last 40 years. Why would it stop now? Just because they said don't show up. It's going to show up. You recognize it. You tend to it. You say hello to it. You're gentle with it and you do something different anyway because you've made this commitment to yourself to change to live in a different way that doesn't cause harm to you or others because we can shift these habits of mind. As I said it takes a long time it took me a long time to lose my sarcasm as you've heard me say ad infinitum. You know it it takes a while to shift how we see things, how we, how we move things. I'm, I don't judge a lot anymore. I used to judge all the time. I still judge, but I catch myself judging and then I laugh and I say, you're going to do that because I always do what I judge other people for. Not always, but so it's so, it happened so often it's comical. It'll be like years later I go, oh, I remember judging people for doing this a few years ago. So it's just like, why bother? What is it? What purpose does it serve? Oftentimes, it's like it just to make to do some kind of um, self massage, internal massage, instead of being willing to be real. That's that's when we can be real and really have let go of preference for how um, what feelings show up there's there's a connection there's a compassion there's a there's a grounding that's much more solid that's much realer than this fabrications that our mind creates and comes up with because those are those are ephemeral and they're dependent on on sensations they're dependent on whether things are pleasant or unpleasant and we're chasing we're reacting but when we're solid in our in our grounding and our foundation, and our mindfulness, and our intention, and we, we, you know, I, I love the Eightfold Path, it sets out a way for me to live in harmony with the world, that's where I land, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, um, willing to sit in the crap sometimes, sit in the fire That the fire is what purifies us and willing to change the habits because I'm so grateful that I've gotten to a place where a lot of habits have changed. And so I don't automatically go there or I will automate the mind will just go there automatically. They don't like me. You know, somebody doesn't return my phone call. So I immediately think they don't like me. But it used to land and it used to be really painful. That story. But now it's like, oh, they don't like me. And I just go, and I watch it go by. There's no there's no stickiness anymore. Occasionally it'll land for a while, and then I'll go, wait a minute. That's that old story. I can let that habit of mine go. And it's so liberating. Sometimes I'll get stuck in something and it'll be there for days, and I'll just sit there and go, okay, I can't wait till this goes away, it's still, it's painful, and I watch the mind go through its gyrations, but I also have the awareness to go, this is going to pass, I just can't wait, and then I often wonder, I wonder what's going to knock it out, because it's going to be big, and probably even worse, but anyway, um, that's the, that's the catastrophizing mind, but it it's, you can start seeing. You're, when, you're, when you let yourself sit back, you can begin to see all the, all the, all the things that the mind does. It's really quite extraordinary. So, and then I, I think the other thing that's important to say is that be patient. Really be patient. You didn't get here overnight. It's going to take time. That's, the, um, that's the, uh, another one of the paramis is patience. Being willing to sit with the, the discomfort of the suffering, the the, the the unpleasantness of shifting, of doing different things, of, of putting away what doesn't serve, letting go of how we thought we were taking care of ourselves to and really take care of ourselves. Um, you know, there's no time limit. Why wouldn't you work towards it? You know? I'm. A, who cares how long it takes? I'm going to keep doing this as long as I live. That's my. That's my plan. Um, so why not? Right? Why not? What else am I going to do? Get caught up in that cre- creepy way I used to live? Ugh, I'm not saying I was creepy, but it was so unpleasant in here. <sighs> I, I. I wasn't that creepy. But uh, but the inside of my head was pretty creepy. You know what they say, it's a it's a bad neighborhood, don't go there alone. That's what the inside of my head was like. It was like ugh, all these conditioned things, but mostly gone now. So grateful, so grateful for that. So it's so much easier to live in my body and in my skin. So I don't care how long it takes. So those are my thoughts about habits of mind and um I hope you have gotten something out of this and something, something resonated in some way. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma.